Welcome to the Front Desk Goddess Diaries. My name is Amy and I'm a personal practice coach for the Brady Group. I've had the pleasure of working with dental practices across the globe and you know what I've discovered? Everyone has the same challenges. I'm excited to share wisdom that I've gained from great dental practices just like yours. So today I want to talk about micromanagement versus managing the expectation and what the difference is. See, we've got so many issues when it comes to unmet expectations in dentistry on both ends, both the dentist or leader and team members. Uh, it's just such a big issue. I know people have a lot of turnover. A lot of you are looking for team members right now. It's a big, big issue. And so I want to kind of share an example with you. My daughter, my uh, 25 year old daughter, had uh, her first adulting job that she had for a year. She stuck it out, but um, she constantly complained about the lack of connection. Um, her direct report was often too busy to, to answer questions, to train her. She didn't feel like she was contributing. She oftentimes couldn't even reach her direct report. And, uh, you know, there was no fulfillment in that. She was very frustrated. She was, uh, you know, feeling like she was floundering a little bit, not contributing. There was no job satisfaction, if you will. And, uh, you know, my daughter doesn't need pats on the back or, or kudos, but she does definitely need direction. We all do. We all need to know what does success look like? What are we shooting for? And she didn't feel that in that first job. She recently started a new job. And from day one, you know what? She knew exactly what was expected of her. There was time spent training her. They're still training her. She wasn't sitting around waiting for someone to show her how to do her job. Now, don't get me wrong. She said, boy, this is this is an intense job. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. And uh, I asked her, what, what's the difference? What's the difference between your first job and your current job? And she said, just feeling like I'm a part of the business from the beginning, feeling like I'm making a difference right away. And there's so much wisdom to be gained from that. Do you have new team members sitting around waiting for you to show them what to do? Are you frustrated because they're not fulfilling your expectation? Well, I guarantee in most cases, they're pretty frustrated too, because nobody has taken the time to be clear, or maybe you have been clear, but you haven't taken time to follow up or hold them accountable or make sure they have the resources and the tools to accomplish what it is that you want them to accomplish. I'm often asked to interview candidates. You know, just this week, I had uh, one of our doctors that said, hey, we've got uh, a new position we're, we're, you know, filling and we have two finalists, if you will. And they said, would you just have a conversation with them and see what you think? So of course I do that quite a bit and was happy to do that. And one of the questions that I often ask these candidates is what is your gene? What is your dream job? And I had talked with one yesterday and she said, well, commitment and working hard, but also being recognized when I do that job well. See, we want to know it's, it's not so much about, well, appreciation, although that is a huge part of it. It's just feedback. Are we doing what we're supposed to do? Are you happy with our contribution? And, you know, for so many people, there is a lot of job satisfaction and fulfillment in that when we realize because you tell us <laughs> that we're doing what it is that you want us to do. If nothing's being said, 
then we can assume one of two things. Either we're not doing what you want us to do, or we are, and you don't appreciate us. And so you have to know that that's what's going on. I know from your point of view, leaders, oftentimes it's, well, no news is good news. If I don't say anything, then everything's going great. Well, that's not going to work because again, people are telling me uh, in this sort of, um, I don't know, work shortage that we're still experiencing that I want to be a part of something. I want to know that I'm contributing. I want to commit, but I also want to be recognized. I also want feedback. So why do so many leave after only being in your office for a short time or maybe not even showing up even after they've taken a position or um, agreed to an interview? Here's the deal. There are way too many other opportunities out there for you to be lax in your onboarding, your training, um, your leading, because many will perceive this lack of connection or lack of follow through um, from you as, as dentists, as leaders, as a lack of appreciation. Okay? Even if you have an office manager, if you will, um, and they're the, the person doing that, there's, uh, it's a whole lot easier to leave and go somewhere else because they don't feel a connection with you. You know, your name is on the door. You are the leader, you sign their paycheck. And if you're deferring that leadership or having somebody else um, hold that team member accountable, you're in effect creating uh, two leaders to follow. And, um, you know, they're not going to be as loyal to an office manager <laughs> uh, holding them accountable and giving them feedback as they are to you. And we're gonna talk about that here in a few minutes. But um, this lack of connection, again, so many perceive as a lack of appreciation. And so we've got to find the balance between micromanagement and managing the expectation. So here's what I hear quite a bit. I think all of us, both leaders and team members, we like to avoid discomfort by claiming micromanagement, if you will. And here's what that looks like. Leaders, <laughs> most of you as dentists, because you're trained to be you know, uh, to perfect a craft and that's dentistry, that's fixing teeth, that's not leading people. Uh, and you're not comfortable with true leadership, many of you. Some of you are born leaders, but most dentists aren't really, uh, don't really have leadership, effective leadership in their, their natural wheelhouse, if you will. And so dentists will oftentimes avoid uh, holding team members accountable because they say, well, I don't want to micromanage them. And the truth is, you you know, guys and gals want to spend your days doing dentistry because that's what you went to school to do. That's where your your comfort zone is. And you know what? I can't blame you. But the truth is that as dentists of a private practice, you are all small business owners and you have to have a commitment to setting expectations and holding your team accountable for those expectations. That's just part of the deal when you own a business. But the problem is so many dentists assume that their team members are handling their business until they hear otherwise. And that's dangerous for everybody. <laughs> so as employees, here's how we claim micromanagement. Maybe we are not comfortable with being held accountable. Maybe we aren't uh, doing exactly what you know we know we're supposed to do. And so we say, well, our doctor keeps micromanaging us. And really all they're doing is paying attention and you know looking at the results and then asking questions and so many team members perceive that as micromanagement simply because they're not comfortable with being held accountable let me say this and be really extremely clear with this doctors team members 
clarifying expectations and holding your team accountable or being held accountable for, for fulfilling those expectations is not micromanagement. Okay, let me say that again. Being held accountable for clear expectations that have been set is not micromanagement. That is good leadership. Okay, that's good leadership. Doctors, if you don't follow through on something that you've asked me to do, I'm going to assume it's no longer important. And I'm going to put my focus on something else. And again, if we're not led to um, focus on things that are important for the business to succeed and held accountable for those things, which are often uncomfortable, we're going to gravitate to the more comfortable tasks and those things that um, you know we uh, can do without getting out of our comfort zone. So that is that is huge. Now let's talk about what micromanagement does look like. I was talking with a friend of mine this week and she told me a story that was pretty much unbelievable. She said her supervisor, this is not in a dental office, by the way, she was over two minutes on her lunchtime and got back that afternoon and a couple of hours later received an email uh, reminding her of her lunch hours like she didn't know. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's interesting because I know her and she works super hard. And she said, I never even take my full lunch hour. She said, oftentimes I'm, I'm sitting at my desk um, inhaling my lunch while I work. And she said, you know what? I can't even send an email to a client without my supervisor approving it first. Like, wow, you know, that's exhausting for everybody. And like I said, my friend is no slacker. I mean, I work with her on a volunteer basis and she has rock solid character. She is a hard worker. There's no doubt in my mind she could contribute in, in numerous ways to that organization if this person were not putting a lid on her, her potential by micromanaging her. She won't be there much longer, by the way, and that's unfortunate. Um, micromanagement is a complete waste of everybody's time. It sucks the life out of employees. It creates anxiety and high stress in, in the uh, culture of your, your practice. And again, I'm just not talking about the dentist when it comes to micromanagement. In fact, it could be an office manager or even I uh, experienced last week a self-appointed overzealous team member. Regardless of who it happens to be, I'm telling you, your job is to provide guidance, support, follow through. If you're a longtime team member in a practice and um, your doctor's not leading effectively and you kind of feel as if it's up to you to do that, um, you know, you can't control what your leader, what your dentist does, but you can control how you lead. And again, it's not about bossing somebody around or just giving them tasks to do that you don't want to do. It's about sharing the vision of the practice, providing an expectation, and then managing that expectation by making sure you have the tools and resources available and you hold that person accountable. Okay. It's facilitating basically a really healthy environment where team members are able to perform at their best. Um, be quick to recognize doctors and show appreciation for the efforts of your, your team members. Um, but also make sure you allow them to own and resolve their own mistakes. Sometimes we, we do see micromanagement and, um, you know, we've had a few doctors who are recovering micromanagers and they will tell you that uh, it's been difficult. But here, you know, basically are five damaging effects of micromanagement. If uh, you feel like that's what's going on. Number one, you're not going to have the productivity you want. Team members, you know, if you feel like somebody's constantly 
looking over your shoulder, it leads to a lot of second guessing. You're not real sure if you're doing the right thing. You feel like you have to ask your boss, you know, constantly, is it okay if I do this? Should I do this? Where should I put this patient? This patient wants to make payments. Is that okay? You know, and it takes your focus away from the real vision of the practice. And, uh, you know, my friend I mentioned, really, she spends most of her energy just staying out of trouble. <laughs> and that paranoia has uh, basically led to very uh, much a distracted team member, you know, and in your practice, that might look like somebody who's very dependent, um, who isn't focused on what you want them to be focused on. But if you're managing, micromanaging them, then you know what, that's your fault. The second thing that uh, comes from micromanagement, you're not going to have much creativity or innovation in your practice because when employees feel like their ideas are invalid or they live in constant fear of doing the wrong thing or being criticized if they make a judgment call, you know what, it's going to take a toll on creativity in your practice because, you know, as my friend was sharing this story with me, she said, I'm always second guessing myself and I never did that before. You know, I've kind of just stopped even taking initiative because, you know, if I uh, respond to an email and and take care of something myself, I feel like I'm going to be punished. I mean, why think outside of the box if somebody's just going to shoot me down and and tell me my ideas aren't good and want to do it their way anyhow? Um, so that's that's huge. It's just you're not going to see much creativity and innovation. Third thing, low morale. Okay, we all want the feeling of autonomy. And if we can't make decisions without the input of others, we're gonna feel suffocated. And if your team members are constantly made to feel like they can't do anything right, um, they might try harder for a while, but you know what? Eventually they're just gonna stop trying at all. So uh, at the last staff meeting that my friend in this story attended, she uh, said that her supervisor was asking, I don't know why anybody else speaks up. You know, I'm only, I'm the only one that's ever talking in our meetings. And I'm thinking, well, duh, you know, I mean, you just suppress everybody else's ideas and um, that's that's a problem. It, it kills morale and participation. Fourth thing, you're gonna have a lot of turnover because when talented employees are micromanaged, they're gonna do one thing, quit. No one likes to come to work every day and feel like they're in a penitentiary and their every movement is being monitored. Like you were two minutes late for lunch, <laughs> coming back from lunch, uh, even though you never take lunch. You know, I mean, please micromanage me, said no employee ever. And uh, I see happy teams that um, are not micromanaged. I've never seen a happy team that's micromanaged. And again, my friend is super loyal and that's why she hasn't left yet, <laughs> but that day's coming. The fifth thing is loss of trust. Micromanagement is gonna do one thing and that's basically lead to a massive breakdown of trust, which uh, you know results in the other four things I just mentioned. It demotivates, it demoralizes. Um, you know, Doctors, you will not be seen as a leader, but mainly an oppressor or, or office managers, or again, self-appointed leaders in the practice. If you're seen as just someone who oppresses everyone else, um, yeah, there's going to be distrust. You know, my friend has a hard time trusting her supervisor. And when there's distrust among the team, we feel unsafe. We feel like no one has our back and we spend a lot more energy in just surviving than really performing in our job, which is really what's happening. Um, empowerment is really what we're shooting for. And that's what happens when you manage the expectation versus micromanaging. 
You know, instead of a toxic work environment that chokes the growth out of the team and fosters this mediocrity, when you empower your team, you know what? You promote this vested interest in the practice. Empowered team is more confident. They're more willing to go the extra mile for you. They're more willing to do whatever it takes to take care of patients because you've empowered them to do that. And really keeping great talent in your practice can mean the difference between your practice succeeding or failing. And if you're trying to micromanage or suppress great talent, that's a problem. Um, you know, I think it's so important that we need to treat each other as a team like we want our patients treated. And if we can do that, we're going to have trust amongst everyone uh, and we're going to have a happy, loyal team. You know, if, if we hire someone in the practice, hopefully it means you believe they're capable of doing the job and trust them to get it done. So if that's the case, provide a clear vision, provide proper training and resources, and then just get out of the way. You know, certainly follow up and hold them accountable, but don't look over their shoulder. Now, managing the expectation. Again, like I mentioned, my daughter's job, there was clarity from the beginning. She knew exactly what was expected of her and she um, felt apart from the very beginning. I mean, her days are filled. Like I said, it's, she said, sometimes it's pretty intense, but there's never a lack of direction or clarity as to what we're, we're supposed to be doing. Um, now here's the uh, other end. You know, we talked about how team members feel if they're micromanaged, but you know, doctors out of fear of micromanaging often ask me, well, how do I get my team to do what I need them to do? You know, and again, leading is not something that's natural for most dentists. I mean, by nature, you love creating, you love helping people and providing excellent dentistry. But bottom line, um, when it comes to employees, that's that's a different thing. So let's talk about that. You have to be intentional. If you don't budget time to lead your team and hold them accountable, you're going to struggle. Uh, you'll burn out because you're busy. Uh, in the course of a day and there are things not happening the way you want them to happen and you constantly feel like you're chasing down mistakes and putting out fires, you're going to burn out. You have to budget time. You have to basically set appointments to hold your team accountable. If you're saying I'm too busy, I mean, I hear this at least once or twice a week from, <laughs> from doctors when it comes to putting on their leader hat. I'm just too busy. Well, you know what? We're too busy to do those things that we don't like to do or that we're not comfortable doing exercise, cleaning out the garage, you know, making that call to a relative that we aren't, uh, don't like all that much and leading employees. But here's the deal. The time that you're spending not leading is costing you way more in cleaning up messes, dealing with drama, turnover due to leadership failures, um, and keeping way too much on your plate because you don't have time to properly train and delegate. I want to just kind of put a, I guess, a Oh, an endorsement out there for being cautious of the office manager model. I know a lot of practices have an office manager, um, but we have to be cautious of that title. Uh, multiple doctor practices, uh, you often find it really valuable to have a quarterback on, on your team. You know, a, a leader that may have more experience in fulfilling your practice vision, but this person should be seen as a resource and a source of encouragement. Uh, that's it. Because if you're hiring an office manager because you see that role as a buffer between yourself and the rest of the team, that's going to be a problem. Um, you know, a lot of dentists envision this practice where, gosh, I just don't want to deal with people. I, I just want to do the dentistry. Well, again, you are a small business owner. 
Now, if, if you're going for a corporate model, that's that's fine. You know, uh, we all know there are issues um, that uh, in a corporate model as well. And uh, but sometimes you have to have that that office manager title. But if you are a small business owner and you are a you know one, two, maybe three doctor practice with a team, you still need to lead. Okay, you still need to lead. If you don't, you're going to end up with two leaders in the practice. That creates confusion. Um, in most cases, I'll tell you, I see a lot of these situations where practices with an office manager actually have more drama and stress than those without this role. Because as the quote unquote manager, they become a dumping ground for drama. They become the only person that can fix problems. And it can result in a pretty unhealthy culture of duplicity. I mean, think good cop, bad cop. Okay, it's not the fault of the manager. These issues basically come as a byproduct of that office manager model. Can you have an office manager? Absolutely, but you've got to make sure that you have created this in a healthy way. Um, I don't like calling them office managers. I, I not to take any anything away from that person, but I think it sends the wrong message. People ought to. You ought to create a culture where everybody is managing themselves on a day-to-day -day basis because they know the expectation and they're held accountable for that by you, the dentist, <laughs> the one with the name on the door. Um, you can't delegate leadership. I mean, what if you could create a team of people that manage themselves and hold each other accountable? Wouldn't that be nice? But again, the expectations have to come from you. Expectations must be clear and measurable. Um, they have to be able to see a direct correlation between the expectations and the overall vision of the practice. The why is clear, not just here, I need you to do this, 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 and this, but here's why we're doing this. And here's how it's going to, to result in a win-win for all of us. Okay? You need to establish goals for the practice. So team members can be partners in that success. In the Brady Group, we have um, what we call a, an additional earned income model where they are partners. When the practice succeeds, everybody succeeds. Follow-up is essential. This can happen in your, your weekly team meetings. We call them vision sessions. As the team reviews the action plan, did we accomplish what we set out to do? So doctors, what if a team member doesn't meet your expectations? What if you are doing everything you know by the book, so to speak, and you're not micromanaging and you are managing expectations in a healthy way? First of all, don't walk by a mistake because those little things that you feel like you're too busy to deal with or you don't want to have that hard conversation those little things can fester and pretty soon you blow up at your team for something relatively small and they think oh my gosh what is wrong with her <laughs> or him you know they think you've lost your mind because you just blow up over something small when in reality you have walked by mistake after mistake after mistake and it's finally taken its toll Hey, maybe you even take the fall and say, you know what? I haven't been as clear as, as I probably should have on how important it is for us to pre-collect, for example. You know, I want your job to be a lot easier. So we're not having to, to fill last minute spots. You're not having to chase down money. And so this is what we're going to do. How can I make it easy for you to do that? What resources, tools, training do you need to do this consistently? And finally, when can you have this happening consistently? Okay. I have basically the opportunity, opportunity to observe dozens of dental practices every week. And when I see a situation where someone is underperforming, probably 70, 80% of the time, it's because that very thing hasn't happened. The expectations aren't clear and we aren't following up. 
So how do you know when there's a leadership failure? <laughs> In other words, how do you know if we're micromanaging or on um, to swing way to the other side of that spectrum, just deferring leadership? Well, you have to have number one, clear key results, um, you know, KPIs outlined. So team members know exactly how winning is defined and measured. If you're frustrated with a team member, um, but they think they're doing a great job, it's likely you haven't provided a clear picture. Number two, did you provide proper training? Not just, well, when we have a hole in our schedule, we'll talk about that. No, 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 no. You have to budget time to train. You have to budget time to follow up. You have to provide resources and tools. Are, are those being provided according to, to your standards? Or, you know, are, are team members having to uh, basically figure out things on their own? Um, so let's make sure that happens. The third thing is unresolved conflict. Part of leading well is creating an ap atmosphere where you address issues. You have hard conversations. You lose good people if you don't throw water on the drama. And, and uh, you know, that's just a natural result of people working together. You have to deal with that conflict. You have to have those hard conversations. Otherwise, drama is going to prevail. Okay, fourth thing, rescuing your team. Don't do it. Sometimes it's just easier for you to clean, clean up messes and pick up the slack than it is for you to have those hard conversations. <laughs> and you might feel like, gee, I do it better than them anyway, but you're not training your team and they're going to basically be bailed out when the going gets tough and they know that. They'll come to you and say, well, doctor, you just do that so much better. <laughs> Don't allow that to happen. Give your team the opportunity to fix their own mistakes. Five, tolerating mediocrity without consequence. So if you've provided clear key result areas, you've defined what winning looks like, you've provided training and resources, but expectations still aren't being met, what's the consequence other than your frustration? Okay, you are gonna lose good people if you continually walk by mistakes and tolerate mediocrity. Six, lack, lack of clarity. To be unclear is to be unkind. Dave Ramsey says that. It's my favorite leadership quote from him. If we simply tell a team member to be on time, what does that mean? Be here at eight <laughs> or be here at eight, set up for patients, coffee made, makeup on, fully prepared to greet patients. Um, what does that mean? Be specific, be clear. Don't expect people to read your mind and then get frustrated when they don't know what you're thinking. Seven, no follow through at accountability. So you've been an excellent leader when it comes to clarity of expectations. You've provided the training, the resources, but you don't follow up. Okay, what do you think as team members we feel when you give us a directive, but you don't follow up? Like I said earlier, we think it's no longer important. Okay, and it falls to the bottom of our pile. But when you give us a task and set a date to follow up, in other words, it, it might be, uh, Amy, thanks so much for your willingness to take on pre-collecting with all patients on the restorative schedule. It will make our job so much easier. Let's plan on meeting during lunch next Thursday to discuss how it's going. Okay, in the meantime, let me know what I can do to support you. Wow, I'm probably gonna have pre-collecting at the top of my list for the next week since I know I'm gonna have to report on my progress. Okay, it's, I know without a doubt it's important to my doctor because they're taking time to follow up. Now, um, you know, sometimes these failures aren't leadership failures. They're just incompetence. Um, and if you've been unable to eliminate leadership failures and, and that's not an issue, um, you've kind of discovered that based on the seven points I just listed, then you may have a team member that's either unable or even unwilling to meet your expectations. And you have no choice but to make a change. And if you don't, 
Be prepared for a toxic culture that you can't overcome. Be prepared to lose good people. Ask yourself, would I hire this person again? <laughs> I love Jim Collins' uh, book, Good to Great. He said, ask yourself this question about a problem team member. If you hadn't hired them yet, would you hire them again? If the answer is no, why on earth are you tolerating that mediocrity? Are you on the verge of burnout? Is stress ruining your love for dentistry? Are you working too hard for the money you're bringing home? If you're ready to kick the Sunday night blues to the curb, join us in Dallas, April 27th through 29th for our flagship event, the Mission Possible Case Acceptance Super Conference. For more information and to register, just click the link in the show notes.